0: Welcome to Coffee Talk from the Ground Up, an ECS podcast, where we strive to provide a more personable way to communicate with employees. I'm Steve Gosselin, but you can call me Goose, and I'm part of our senior leadership team, and I'm joined here by Julie Smith, who is part of the marketing communications team and our resident chocoholic. Say hi, Julie.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Hey, everyone. I'm glad you're joining us today. So, Steve. What are
0: we doing here? Great question, Julie. One of the struggles with a company our size is getting a message to the masses without it being diluted along the way. From projects and people to services and career insight, we hope this podcast helps provide an avenue to communicate the stories that are worth sharing. It's to learn about our culture and feel more connected and to have some fun along the way.
1: So what you're saying is, we hope this podcast is educational, entertaining, and encouraging. With practical advice, you can apply directly to your work and life.
0: Well said, Julie. And that's why you're in marketing.
1: (laughs) So grab a cup and settle in. attorney makes us say this. This podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Nothing herein shall be construed as providing professional engineering services or used to establish the standard of care. This podcast and the comments contained therein represent only the personal views of the participants and do not reflect those of ECS. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Before we start today's conversation with Tony, we wanted to start off with a safety minute. As we are in the winter season now, be sure that you are keeping safety in mind. If you're outside, make sure you're wearing layers of clothing, wear a hat, and cover your hands and ears and things like that to stay warm. When you're at home and it may be freezing at night, make sure that you are keeping your pipes from freezing over. Make sure that they are dripping at night. You can also open up cabinet doors to allow more heat into those uninsulated areas, like under a sink or near an outer wall, and make sure that your heat is left on and set no lower than 55 degrees. These are just a few things to keep in mind this winter season. And now let's start our conversation with Tony.
0: So uh, as you know, uh, as everybody on the call knows, uh, Tony took over as president and CEO uh, a little over a year ago, and boy, what a memorable year. While this was always the plan, it fell under very strange circumstances. Today, we're going to hear from Tony about ECS, about the future of ECS, his vision for the company, what he's most excited about, and probably just a little bit uh, about him as well, too. Julie, uh, you want to jump in for a minute?
1: Yeah, as I said, Tony actually began his career at ECS as a field technician in 1993, but now in his role as president and CEO, he works with the board of directors and subsidiary executives to establish short-term and long-term goals, strategies, and ensures that operational goals are met. He currently sits in our corporate office in Chantilly, Virginia. And when he's not in the office, you can find this Auburn Tiger volunteering in his local community coaching one of his children's sports teams or traveling with his family.
0: Most excellent, good. So uh, Tony, War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah. Good morning, uh, you ready to get this started? Yes, sir, let's do it. Okay, good. As is our tradition, we always start out with some rapid fire questions. So uh, you okay with that? Absolutely. All right, so uh, what's your favorite food? Man, I'll tell you, I have so many, but I'm gonna have to go
2: with pizza. I'm originally from Long Island, New York, home of the nation's best pizza, and I'm definitely a pizza snob. I measure all pizza against a place called Ancona Pizzeria in Valley Stream. That's where my family's from. And I'm on a quest to make my own perfect pizza. I make my own dough, pizza sauce, and I use fresh buffalo mozzarella and burrata as well. But I do need to make my own wood-fired pizza oven if I want to take it to the next level. Excellent. So last book you read, or your favorite book or author? Well, the last book I read was a book called Level Headed by Doug Pruitt and Richard Condit. Henry gave this book to me in early 2020. I read it about a year ago and again last month. As you know, it was a signed reading for a recent senior managers meeting. The book is about student construction. It's a company that was founded in about 1890, who became one of the most profitable companies in American business, but it later uh, was on the verge of bankruptcy. The story is about their rise, fall, and their rise again to become more successful than ever before. There are a lot of great lessons to be learned from that book, and I, I highly recommend reading it.
0: Yeah, it was an excellent book. Thanks for sharing it with us. I particularly enjoyed it. it Remind me a lot of uh, some of the struggles uh, We went through not quite as severe, but, you know, over the last 15, 20 years, dealing with a couple of recessions and the pandemic and things like that, and how resilient we are as a company. So I know uh, during the group discussions, we uh, we were all gratified by how far we've come and, and a lot of the things we've done and the things we've put in place, and that book really, really helped. Favorite movie?
2: I got to say the Godfather trilogy. You know, I I grew up loving gangster movies. The trilogy is a fictional story, but it's rooted in very real history. Godfather 2 is the best sequel of all time, in my opinion, and arguably better than the original. Some of the greatest movie quotes came from this series. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse, leave the gun, take the cannoli. It's to send you a message. It means that Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes.
0: Yep, I couldn't agree more. That definitely was the second most favorite movie. And you can ask my wife. I think uh, I can sit there and watch all three movies and just talk along with the characters. It's amazing. I love them. Favorite sport or hobby? Well, my hobby is
2: coaching. Uh, Julie mentioned it earlier. I've spent a number of years coaching soccer, basketball, and lacrosse, probably for the better part of the last 10 years. I actually just finished coaching my youngest son's soccer team and my oldest son's lacrosse team. Uh, Lacrosse is my favorite sport to play, but as you know, college football is my favorite sport to watch. I don't watch that much TV, but I can tell you, you can find my boys and me on the couch every Saturday night watching
0: college football during the fall. No doubt. Yeah, I think that's why we have uh, such a good friendship, but there's no question that we share that passion of football, college football, recruiting, coaching, the traditions all those things. And for those of you on the listing today, whenever the college recruiting signing periods, now there's an early signing period in December, and then there's the traditional one in February. I always get a phone call that m- morning from Tony after uh, all the letters of commitment uh, have c- gone in. He's like, all right, how are you feeling about the Aggies this year? So uh, yeah, we, uh, we share that pretty closely. Yes. Best vacation spot or favorite place in the world?
2: Well, I'll tell you, I think the best trip I've ever taken was a trip a number of years ago to Costa Rica. It really is one of the most amazing places on Earth. If you like adventure trips, Costa Rica really has it all. It has the jungles, cloud and rainforest, active volcanoes, hot springs, waterfalls, amazing rapids, if you like whitewater rafting, world-class fishing, and, of course, the beautiful beaches. They go by the the Pura
0: Vita, uh, Pure Life motto. So it's just an amazing spot. I've never been, but I've heard so many great stories. So I'm looking forward to my trip there someday. Okay, you're off the hot seat now, so uh, we'll move on. Now that we know a little bit about you personally, let's talk about your experience here at ECS. So tell us a little bit about your ECS story. uh, You know how you got here, your career path, some of the jobs you've done, you know things like that. Um, Just tell us about uh, your ECS story. Well, I will tell you, it was an unexpected journey,
2: but uh, let me just start by saying that my father was a Marine aviator, and I grew up with a passion for flying. I always thought that I was going to join the Marine Corps and become a pilot myself. As a matter of fact, when I was in college, I joined the Corps, and I qualified for an aviation billet. Upon graduation, the Clinton administration was in the process of base realignment and closure, which is otherwise known as BRAC. And at that time, the administration was also cutting military spending, which really created some budgetary issues for many of their programs. So as such, I was instructed to go find another job, and the Marines told me that they would call me when they were ready. Unfortunately, the Marines never really panned out for me, but that's a much longer story for another time. So interestingly enough, I actually became a substitute teacher, but that was only good until the end of the school year. And about that same time, I attended a Young Life event. Uh, I attended Young Life throughout my high school and even college, and I met Matt Eckert. Matt Eckert, of course, is Jim Eckert, our CFO's brother and our co-founder's son. So I told him my story and uh, he encouraged me to reach out to his dad, who, as we all know, was a formal Naval officer himself. So in about July of 93, I joined ECS as a field technician. I worked there as, until about 1995, and about that time, that's the, about the time that uh, I got out of the—I uh, was never on active duty in the Marine Corps, but I really terminated my contract with them. So I was looking for new opportunities, and in at the time, ECS didn't have those opportunities available to me, so we agreed to part ways at that point and uh, that we would stay in touch. So I ended up moving down to Miami. And I went to work for Brassfield and Gorey, working on some healthcare projects down there. But I will tell you, even while I was down there, I was having a great time. I was young and living in Miami is not a bad spot to be. But I really loved working for ECS and and working with our clients and solving their problems. So as I mentioned, I stayed in touch with Jim Baldridge. And eventually he rehired me in September of 1996 as the director of marketing. And I was also a part-time geotechnical and materials testing project manager as well. I will say I knew nothing about marketing or business development, but I recognized it was an area that I needed to improve for future growth opportunities. So I remained in that position until about 2000 when I became the Frederick, Maryland branch manager, which was also a great situation for me. It was already an established office. Uh, John McCarthy had been there for a couple of years, and it was an opportunity to also work with Nancy McCarthy. So these two people are, are, are folks that I have a lot of admiration for. And then shortly thereafter, Sal Fiorentino joined us, and I was able to pass the torch to him upon my move to Orlando to open our first office in Florida. I will say Orlando was a very challenging market with many well-established firms. My learning curve was steep in both Chantilly and Frederick, but I can tell you, that curve really steepened in Orlando. As you know, uh, our business model we really expect our branch manager to be the lightning rod for the office. Unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of strong relationships that would win us work in the short term. Fortunately, we were able to hire some really great local talent. Cliff Hendrickson is one of them to help build the operation. And then about 2015, I moved back to Chantilly to work in the corporate office where the learning curve began to be steep again uh, while I was learning the roles and responsibilities of corporate services. It's been a challenging but rewarding journey and I'm really excited about the future of our great company.
0: Excellent, so uh, tell us a little bit about your leadership style? I mean, how do you keep yourself and your team motivated? You know, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, I'll say, you know, for me, it's all about work-life balance. It's setting goals and really focusing on our people. It's important for us to communicate and communicate often to stay true to our core values and business discipline, holding each other accountable, mentoring, and supporting our people in their work. Our people are really what make ECS great. It's our role as leaders to support them every step of the way.
0: Who do you look up to or who do you look to for inspiration, mentorship, you know, coaching? Who helps you out?
2: Well, I will tell you, my family is my greatest inspiration, but I also gain a lot of inspiration from our people. I love to visit offices and talk to our amazing people. My parents are my greatest mentors, but Henry, Jim Eckert, and Jim Baldridge have had the greatest impact on my professional career. But I'll tell you, there are so many others that have been very influential along the way. Steve Neese was a regional manager. He was very influential. And there's a guy by the name of Steve Goslin. Maybe you guys have heard, heard of him. But I'll tell you, there's also a lot of, you know, when talking to our leadership and management teams, you know, I learned something from them every time uh, we speak. So, you know, they provide a lot of insight. And I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to the good Lord above. There you go.
0: Yeah, you know, there are other good firms out there. And I know that they must have good people and good leadership. And some of them I know. There are a lot of, I guess, competitors, but they're also uh, peers to some degree in companies. And I, and I know that they're good folks. But, you know, the folks you mentioned, I can't think of a better group to not only work with, but to have as coaches, mentors, leaders, I know my my journey is somewhat similar, and uh, to be able to work with, you know, you Henry Eckert, Jim, Jim Baldridge Steve Neese you know Brett Gitskin Leo you know on and on and on all those folks we're really lucky we're really fortunate to have assembled that team and and have the opportunity to work with them incredibly lucky, yep. Uh-huh. So uh, tell us a little bit about the the direction the company's headed. You know, I know we all have our own personal styles, our own personal vision, things like that. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough about eight or nine or 10 years ago to take over the Carolinas at the time from Steve Neese, and it was in great shape, heading in good direction. But, you know, we're all going to do it our own way, and and I had my way of doing it. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your way and the direction we're headed and what your plans are for us. Well— I will tell you, first of all, I'd just like to address
2: a couple of the biggest challenges uh, that I think that we face here. And then I'll get into some of the opportunities uh, that I see down the road. And in my opinion, the biggest challenges we currently face are are personnel management, uh, it's recruiting, retention, and then obviously we've seen a lot of uh, challenges with our IT systems. I'd first like to just address the uh, recruiting and retention. Uh, this is not a, only a challenge for ECS, but I will say it's for a challenge for many industries across the entire country. You know, as you've seen and others have seen, you go to restaurants and they'll be closed on a Monday or they're not doing lunch service or a variety of other things. And it's really because we're having a hard time finding people to, to fill positions, quite frankly. You know, as, as a company, we've done a great job in building our recruiting team Including recently hiring uh, some technician recruiters, I think we need really need to focus on building a pipeline by incorporating recruiting into our culture, very similar to the way we've we've done that with business development. And I just want to touch on a, a couple of few key points real quick. Just like everything else, recruiting really starts at the top and involves people at all levels of our organization. And you know, we've got to ask ourselves: Do we recruit our people like we recruit a customer? What are we doing to build relationships with potential employees? How do candidates feel when they walk in the door? How are they greeted? How does the staff treat them? You know, simple things. Is, is the office well lit? Is it clean? You know, can a candidate envision themselves working in the space for the rest of the, their career? You know, I just challenge everyone, you know, try entering your office from the per, per, perspective of a potential hire. Can you see yourself working there for, you know, a long period of time? Have we shown that candidate, including field personnel, a career path? Have we discussed our our growth and the vast opportunities that will present themselves in the future? You know, there are many things to consider, and I will say we we have created a task force that's working on improving some of these recruiting procedures. So stay tuned for more information. I do want to also talk real quick about IT for a moment. Uh, I will say it's generally the first question that it's asked when Leo or I visit offices. And I just want to say that we recognize that we do have some serious problems that we need to resolve. We learned a lot about ourselves during the cyber attack last year. Some of us rose to the challenge while others did did not. And I will say those that did not are no longer with us. You know, our company has grown significantly over the years. We really need our IT platform and our programs to grow with us. Our goal is to regain that competitive advantage that we once had. We'll do that by adding more staff and contract employees, improving processes and delivering quality programs and enhancements before rolling them out. You know, one of the best ways to to help out with the process is is joining standing committees and being actively involved.
0: So what are you most excited about when it comes to the growth and potential of ECS? Well, I'll tell you, it's really the principle of compounding
2: growth that makes uh, our growth extraordinary at this size. If you think about it, in 2021, the revenue uh, to enter the ENR Top 500 is just under 24 million. If you think about it from that perspective, at our current size and our historical growth rate, that equates to adding nearly one to two new ENR Top 500 firms to our organization this year and next. It's only going to grow as we get larger as an organization. You know, if we hit our growth rate targets, uh, we're going to double in size every five years, and if that's going to be the truth you know, we should hit 500 million by about 2027. And we may even hit a billion by 2032. So long as there's not a major recession in the interim. I'll tell you what's most exciting is the opportunities that will present themselves for our people through both geographic and service line expansion. Opportunities that will present themselves that don't currently exist. I I find that very exciting.
0: Couldn't agree more. Yeah, we, uh, we're in a really, really good position. A lot of good stuff going on, and uh, we're really poised to continue our growth. So, you know, thanks for sharing that with us and and letting the listeners know kind of what the direction we're headed and what our potential is. So uh, earlier, you talked to us a little bit about uh, how you started ECS. You know, you started out as a field tech, and now, um, you know, you're you're the leader, president, your CEO. So, how has your uh, career path impacted your passion to create opportunities for others at ECS? Well, I'll tell you, I'm a firm believer in pay it forward. I
2: mentioned Henry and Jim Sr. and Jim Baldridge just a, a few moments ago. You know, they always talk to me about new opportunities. Nothing was ever promised, but you know, I always knew the requirements and the expectations if I wanted to advance in the organization. You know, it's a high growth firm. There's always going to be opportunities for our people at all levels of the organization. And I just feel as leaders, it's important for us to promote those opportunities and to coach our people to allow them to attain their goals. Our people are our number one asset. and If I tell you, if we
0: don't take care of them, someone else will. So uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, part of your path was getting into marketing, business development. And and doing that up in Chantilly, uh, and how it enhanced your career. I had a very similar path as well too. When I was in Greensboro for about five or six years, I was a full-time business development, and marketing, and pursuing that. And I'll tell you, it's uh, it's really set a firm foundation for uh, my success uh, in the consulting business. So you know, as consultants in this business, relationships are really at the heart of everything we do, either inside the company or outside the company. We've always had a big emphasis on networking, business development, uh, marketing, sales at every level of the company. So do you see that continuing? If so, uh, what's it going to look like?
2: Well, I couldn't agree with your statements more. Networking and business development are ingrained in our culture, and it's a vital part of our continued growth and success. As Henry always points out at the managers meeting, rapid revenue growth is number one predictor of long-term success. The key to that success is personal relationships with our clients. Clients with whom we have personal relationships are more likely to give us work, give us last look on proposals, you know, tell us when we make a mistake and give us opportunity to fix problems. You know, they're more likely to pay us on time. And they're more likely to refer us as well. And more importantly, they're less likely to sue us. So you know, networking and business development are key to
0: our success and will always be part of our culture. Well said. Couldn't agree more. And uh, I think the networking part of it, developing an extensive network, Throughout the industry has been not only the most gratifying, but it's the most fun for me. I I I I tell you what, it's uh, I've got not only good business relationships, but I made uh, lifelong friends as well too. Keeping on the growth theme, and for our listeners out there, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, I don't think Tony has a conversation at all about the company if he doesn't mention growth. It's always. In there, it's, uh, it's ingrained in, in, his, in every message he sends us. So, you know, in the, the past few years, we've grown the company a little bit through mergers and acquisitions. You know, long term, it's always been organic growth. I know we'll continue to do that. But uh, just give us your vision and, you know, how and where do you see ECS growing in the future? Well, I'd just like to say,
2: first of all, that growth is primarily a natural outcome of taking care of our people and taking care of our clients. You know, if you want to go back to the Great Recession, our sales bottomed out at about 93.7 million in about 2009. You know, since that time, we've sustained a compounded annual growth rate of about 10 percent. But that figure really includes several years of low growth, low to flat, flat growth. Uh, as we ex- exited the the recession, it really, you know, historically, we've grown by about 15%. If you think about it, you know, early on, we were able to go into markets and out hustle our competitors through marketing, business development and execution excellence. But now our our competitors are far more business savvy than they once were. You know, we were also able to go into high growth markets and grow with the market. Uh, You know, as you remember, it was the next major market down the road where we oftentimes had name recognition and perhaps even some work to go along with it. As we continue to grow westward, we're going to enter markets with very little to no name recognition. And as such, we're probably going to expand initially through acquisition and through the infusion of ECS people to instill our culture. You know, that doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to grow organically. I firmly believe we can sustain 15 percent growth. You know, on average, I think about a third of that will come from acquisition, while the remainder will come through market penetration, new organic offices, strategic candidate recruitment. We're seeing a lot of success through that right now, you know, and service line expansion, just to name a few. Uh, We're going to continue to close the gaps between the mid-Atlantic and the Midwest, and then between the Southeast and the Southwest. You know, we've really seen a lot of growth and opportunity along the Gulf Coast and the I-10 corridor. We've picked up some great people, and I look forward to some of the new exciting opportunities that we're going to see down in that area. We currently have personnel in Denver and Phoenix. Uh, We also plan to put a senior manager in Salt Lake City next summer. Uh, We will look to grow our operations in those markets through some of the aforementioned tactics. Uh, Once we finish that expansion, we'll likely move into areas like Las Vegas and then along the Pacific Coast. And then once we finish our coast-to-coast expansion, we will continue to infill and then we'll begin to introduce new service lines. Uh, we're not going to offer services that compete with our clients, but rather we will look to add complementary services that share our current client base.
0: Wow. I mean, uh, I know I'm excited about the direction we're going, and I'm sure our listeners are too, but it's always good to hear it, especially from you and in our leadership, because Our folks are out in the field, they're working hard every day, and they don't always get the message. So uh, thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, so now uh, we're going to talk about what our listeners want to know. And I'm going to let Julie ask these questions because she's always on the forefront asking folks about uh, what do we need to know, what's going on out here, stuff like that. And she gets a lot of feedback. So uh, Julie, you want to jump in?
1: Yeah, sure. All right, Tony, so listeners want to know, why are you passionate about what ECS does?
2: Well, I will tell you one reason I became an, an engineer is because I've always been interested in how and the why. How do things work and why do they work the way that they do? You know, our engineers, scientists and field personnel impact everything in our society from roads and bridges to retail and commercial projects to residential school buildings and so on. During the the pandemic, there was a very good reason why we were deemed as an essential business. And really, it comes down to we're there to help protect the health, safety, and welfare of the public.
1: Yeah, it's excellent. So you've spoken earlier about mentorship and leadership and encouraging our leaders to continue to read and grow and develop themselves. So what are three books that you can recommend on leadership?
2: Well, Julie, I will tell you. You know, first of all, I read a lot of books, and I listen to quite a few others on Audible. And I just want to take a quick moment just to talk about that. Audible—it's a great app that allows you to listen to books on the road. You know, a lot of times I'm on long road trips, and I generally, you know, set the speed to about 1.5 uh, or faster, and I can really zoom through a lot of books. It's a great tool. But a few books that really stick out to me—you know—Henry, for many years, uh, made patent on leadership mandatory reading. Uh, It's a book that's always on my desk. Uh, The book consists of about 183 lessons on management, leadership, attitude, execution, mentoring, communication, and courage. It's all the things that we need to be thinking about on a daily basis. And if you don't have a copy, I I would really highly recommend getting one. You know, another one uh, is a book called Extreme Ownership. A number of years ago at our manager's meeting, we had uh, one of the owner or one of the, uh, the partners in that organization. I don't remember his name right now, uh, but he came in and he offered the book to us. And I, I tell you, I really like the book uh, Extreme Ownership because the authors really do tell a lot of interesting battleground stories, and then they relate them uh, to leadership principles uh, to business. This book really emphasizes accountability, not only holding others accountable, but also holding ourselves accountable. You know, we're a team. We should hold each other accountable. And as leaders, you know, we we must take the extreme ownership of all actions of the team. If the team fails, we got to assess the failures and set an action plan to fix those problems immediately. There can't be excuses. No blaming others or circumstances. You know, it's important for us to set a winning attitude. You know, winning is contagious, but unfortunately, so is losing. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's not about what we preach. It's what we permit. And I'll say the third book, you know, I had to think about this one a little bit. You know, we we talked about being a big sports fan. I'm a huge sports fan. A number of years ago, my oldest son started attending the Duke basketball camp. And at the, at the beginning of each camp, Coach K, you know, delivered a, a really inspirational and motivational speech to all the campers on the floor of Cameron Indoor Stadium. And I'll tell you, regardless of whether you're a Duke fan or not, I didn't grow up as a Duke fan. But I'll tell you, that experience will leave you in awe. And I could tell you, you could hear a pin drop during the speeches. So he inspired me to read one of his books. So I, I grabbed a copy of The Gold Standard. And this is this book is filled with lessons about his approach to getting different people, sometimes very difficult people, to work hard and, and succeed in reaching their goal. You know, he coached the U.S. Olympic team, where he had to deal with some very big egos and personal rival, rivalries in order to create a team that every other team in the world had circled on their, their, their calendar. Uh, there are just a lot of great lessons to be learned from that book.
1: Yes. Well, I grew up a Duke fan, so I appreciate that last book, especially. <laughs> okay. So the last question about what our listeners want to know. A lot of our listeners have noticed that you end your emails and conference calls you're on by asking people to call you and you're always providing your direct phone extension. What What's
2: your motivation behind that? Well, you know, leadership, it's not a right. It's an honor. It's a privilege. And it all goes back to that servant leadership and the concept of paying it forward that we talked about earlier. And I mentioned it a couple of times, you know, Henry and Jim and Steve and others, Steve Neese and others. You know, along my career, I was always able to reach out to those those senior leaders. Uh, and They were always there for me. I, I just think it's important. Uh, it's important to me to be there for others, to help others overcome their problems, to listen to their ideas, you know, to give them a different perspective or even share war stories, just to be personally involved and connected to the organization. We should never lose that connectedness, even as we grow beyond an, a billion in revenue
0: and beyond. Man, I agree, Tony. Uh, and as you well know... Uh, it is an honor and privilege to serve in this capacity, and and it really starts with uh, with gratitude. So, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. Okay, so uh, we're just about to the end, and uh, we'd like to wrap it up with, uh, with this question. Uh, what fills your cup? What makes you happy or brings you joy?
2: Well, I will say, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it before. My family really fills my cup. I spend nearly all of my free time with them, you know, whether it's coaching my kids' teams, watching their games, taking the dog for the walk, movie night, watching college football, cooking dinner, or just throwing the football. You know I really love spending time with my family. You know, just like leadership is a privilege, you know, parenthood is also a privilege, and I, I tell you I love the opportunity to mold and shape their lives. I will say a close second is the opportunity to impact the lives and careers of our employees. And, you know, we just talked about it. leadership is a privilege. And I, I really don't take it lightly. You know, I'm hoping I'm very hopeful that I can have the same impact on others that my mentors had on me. Uh, I'm just extremely grateful for that opportunity.
0: Yep, I agree. So uh, before we sign off, Tony, anything, uh, you know, any final words or parting shots, anything you want to share with uh, us and the listeners?
2: well just just to say that it was you know i really had a great time talking this morning i think that we've got a great company we've got great people and i'm very optimistic about the future and if there's anything that i can do to help others with their problems or you know career advice or really just anything you know just like we you you were talking about the way we sign off if there's anything i can do to be of assistance to to our people you know please reach out to me uh, you know I, I i don't just say that in jest I really do mean it, and if anyone wants to reach out to me, my extension is six zero three eight. You can call me on my cell phone or shoot me an email anytime.
0: All right, T, you made it. Uh, good job. Uh, thanks for you know spending time with us today, taking time out of your very busy schedule. It's not only, I mean, really is. It's important uh, to our folks to to hear from everybody that uh, we've been. Uh, talking to in these podcasts. Um, we're sharing a lot of good content, a lot of good material, uh, great information, stuff about you know leadership, safety, uh, work-life balance, parenting, on and on and on. I mean, really, really good stuff. And uh, you've really set the bar today. So th- thanks again. We really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you all too. Thank you for listening to Coffee Talk from the ground up. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have an idea on future topics, guests, or are up for a round of call, you can call me, text me, email me, just, just get in touch with me. And I'll get it to Julie and uh, we'll get it set up.
1: And for those of you that don't want to play golf and you may hate talking on the phone, that's okay. You can send us an email at ecsmarketing at ecslimited.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode.
0: Thanks, Julie. Here's to having a great day.